everybody, I'm Josh. And I'm Alyssa. And we are here with the very next episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. It is a spoiler-free run-through that explores the good, the great, and the problematic in the Dresden Files series. And today there is no introduction to be had. We're getting right into it because this is part two of episode four or episode five. It's the thrilling conclusion to Fool Moon. Come get some. And so he said, you know, beginning 32 here. uh, Okay, I said, if you're making my voice weak, this is bad. This is very, very bad. I wish I had my pistol, Murphy said, her tone resolute. I wish we'd had some more time to talk things out, Harry. And this is again, Harry says, you know, they're all going to die because of me. I hadn't done anything grossly stupid. It wasn't fair to have come so far, sacrificed so much, and to buy it down here in the mud, like some kind of burrowing bug. And then he thinks, fuck it. Marcone, what's up, bro? Can you move? And, you know, we realize Marcone can move a little bit. And we get a little banter between Marcone and, and, and Harry. Um, and, you know, Denton, or sorry, uh, Harry asks Marcone if he's got the knife he's got, you know, he saw it in the garage. And in Denton and his associates searched me and found it, I am afraid, came Marconi's voice. Damn it all, you're a miserable, stupid bastard for making a deal with Denton, Marcone. Now do you believe he wanted to kill you all along? The figure above me wiggled and writhed, <laughs> swinging from the ropes that held him trussed up there. Yes, do tell me that you told me so with your last breath, Mr. Dursden. I was already rather acutely aware of that, Marconi said, his voice dry. But perhaps I'll yet have a chance to make amends. And then we find out he's got another knife. So fantastic. It's a little bit of an action movie thing. You know, like, oh, they didn't, they got this gun, but they didn't get the other gun. Just kind of read it this. And, you know, Murphy's like, forget it. He's going to cut himself loose and leave, leave us here. And so Marconi is spinning around on the rope and... He, begins to, he began to speak, his voice calm. Ironic, isn't it? I'd planned to wait for the creature on the platform and tempt it to the pit. There are some nets ready to drop on it. After that, I would have held it until morning. You do know that it's right beneath you now, don't you, John? I asked. Mr. Dresden, Marcone said crossly, I've asked you not to call me that. <laughs> Whatever, I said, but I had to admire the raw courage of the man to banter while dangling up there like a ripe peach. I use this place to conduct noisy business, Marcone said. The trees muffle the sound, you see. I mean, it's just, this is such a mobster thing, and he's just so peaceful, calm, saying, he's spinning around on a rope. Well, that's nice, I said, and despicable. The loop guru looked down at me and snarled, and I took an involuntary step back. The mud wall of the pit stopped me. Oh, quite, Marconi agreed, but necessary. Is there anything you're not shameless about, Marconi? I asked. <laughs> of course, but you don't think I'm going to tell you, do you? Oh my God, it's fantastic. But we also kind of get a little bit like, okay, Marconi's got a little something going. And then um, Marconi literally throws the knife and cuts the rope. And the platform falls down and uh, helps our heroes get the fuck out. 
I he's I Harry says I blinked at it for a minute. And Murphy said, "Holy shit. He did it." Dresden, look out. He shouts. He he shouts. He gives him a heads up. He tries to help him. This is rather un Marconi like. And so Dresden and Tara make it out of the out of the pit as the the loop guru attacks. And Tara says, you know, no, I, I've got it. She says, go, wizard. She snarled. Denton and the others will kill us all if we are not stopped. I will handle McFenn. That's when I saw the difference between Tara and the Alphas, Tara and Denton's Hexenwolfen, even Tara and the Loop Guru. They were fast. Tara was fast and graceful. Where they were quick, Tara was quick and elegant. She made them look like amateurs. I love that. Pretty fucking cool. And then people start shooting and bad guys are coming. And Harry puts the belt on. And then Harry becomes a wolf. And this is another great description. It took no more of a chant than that for the change to take me. It wasn't something that I noticed really. But when I opened my eyes again, things were simply as they should be. Right, in a way so fundamentally profound that I wondered why I had never noticed its lack before. What a beautiful night. I could smell blood on the air, hear the eagerness of my enemies to kill, and I felt that same hunger rising from my own heart and surging through me. It was perfect. So good. And so Ben comes prancing in and... And he could smell her excitement pitched to an almost sexual level. She is, has bloodlust. And they fight. She turns into wolf and they fight. I felt my body thrill with abrupt and vicious excitement. The bitch was mine now. She would live or die as I wished. That's pretty fucking gnarly. And he, he injures her and my mouth watered. Jaws growing damp with saliva as I smelled the bitch's blood. And I wanted to fling myself at her, tear her apart myself as she went screaming to her death. Harris comes in screaming like a crazy fucker and he shoots Wilson and Wilson then turns back human. And Harris is, God, I thought you were one of them. What the hell? Wilson didn't answer the redheaded kid. He simply drew his gun from his jacket and started shooting. So these two fucking wahoos are shooting at each other. <laughs> little friendly fire action. I love that. Both men went down, bleeding out onto the earth, and I felt my jaws open in another smile and on another sense of warm satisfaction. Idiots. Who did they think they were dealing with here? They'd been making my life miserable and the lives of others, and now they had, just, they had gotten their just desserts. It would have been better had I torn out their throats myself, admittedly. This is, like, so creepy and dark. And then this is when Den- he and Denton find each other. You're basically experiencing his downfall with him. Oh, yeah. It is. And it's this dark spiral. And, it, you know, he and Denton face each other. And he says, we faced one another and there was a mad sort of joy in it. I would have giggled if I could have. There's joy in this destruction. It's a duel. Our fangs were our swords. Thick roughs. Thick fur roughs used his shield and armor. I tasted his blood in my mouth from a slash to an ear, and it hit me like a drug. Sent a fury and power coursing through me like I had never known. Fucking A. 
I understood him then and rejoiced with him in the power he had found. In that moment, I loved the man, felt him a brother, and longed to hold his throat in my jaws as the last of his blood flowed out of him. <laughs> and he gets Denton. And he says, we both knew that it was all over, but the bleeding. God, that's great and awful. <laughs> and he says he would have been content, content to lead him to accept him as a follower. It was sad in a way. But then I could always find others. It would not be difficult to make the belts, I thought, to give them to a few people to try. Once they had, they'd never take them off again. Ooh. And, he, and this isn't a really creepy moment where he equates the bloodlust with actual lust. Uh, he thought of running with Susan, of filling our mouths with hot, sweet blood, of taking her in the ecstasy of the night and the kill, and it made me shake with anticipation. Eww. I mean, it's just creepy. And, and Denton is, is begging him not to kill him. I mean, shit. And uh, uh, Denton continued to beg, and it made me hesitate. I snarled, annoyed. No. No weakness. No mercy. I wanted his blood. I wanted his life. He had tried me and failed. Kill him, kill him, and take my rightful place. Who did he think I was? <laughs> and then Susan shows up. And he says her eyes were wide with the desire, and she smelled of perfume and our mating and of fear. Something pressed at my awareness, and though part of me wanted to ignore her, to rip and rend, I focused on Susan, on her expression, on her eyes. They weren't wide with desire. They were terrified. She was terrified of me. Harry realizes what's happening. Um, and then, this, so this next part, like, okay, this is a big part. This is very important for me, this next segment. And this is his primal thinking, you know, his, his primitive brain is enacted here. But then he realizes, Harry, the wizard, realizes power. I could feel the belt's power in its magic, its strength. I recognized it now. Basically, it was, it made him drunk. And it, it, he was power drunk. He was power hungry. And he needs, he needs to get this fucking shit done. He needs to sort it. He gets Susan and everybody out. He says, Murphy, go with Susan. Get these kids out of here. Murphy says, no, I'm staying. And you can't hurt MacFin. And you can? Christ, Risen, you've got blood all over your mouth. <laughs> she says, I'm the cop here. Not you. This is a bust in progress. I'm staying to the end when we can sort out who is a good guy and who isn't. Susan and the kids get out and Harry says, what about Marconi? What about him? He saved our lives, I said. Murphy's expression said she wasn't happy with that idea. We owe him. God, this smells like you're trying to set me up, Dresden. If you want to be safe, go after Susan. We split up. One of us attracts its attention. Maybe the other one will get through. Fine, Murphy snarled. Fuck you, Harry Dresden. Famous last words. <laughs> Famous last words, I thought, but didn't waste any breath on voicing it. I mean, that's just, there's a lot that happens in that chapter. But it's, there's so much that we, we learn about Harry. We learn about the primitive brain that he still is still access, accessed with the wolf belt. And, and Murphy, Murphy stands up again. Murphy's got a fucking cast on her arm. She doesn't fucking care. I'm the cop here. And it's not that being a cop is her everything she is, but her training is going to be much better than anybody else's. 
And that's how the chapter ends. Fuck you. I love it. He goes over, he sees Harris's corpse. The kid's face has been smashed in by two bullets. Though the semi-automatic was still in his dead hand. Murphy must have grabbed Wilson's gun. I just love that. Mm -hmm. These two assholes just shot each other. (laughs) Fucking idiots. (laughs) Oh, it's just fun. It's just fun. And again, it's like kind of, they've been chipping at each other for a while now. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. everyone's just like, "Ah," they can't control themselves. And you know, Harris made a mistake and fucking Wilson Mm -hmm. was not prepared to let it, let him let it go. He ends up, uh, you know, tussling with the loop crew. And he said, there's a situation where he gets pinned to the earth because you know, he's caught the edge of his coat, his dust, his brand new sick duster. And he says, I like the coat, <laughs> but I didn't like it that much. I slipped out. of it. So he, you know, he, he wheels out of there. He tries to get out. He was cold now because he didn't have his jacket. His shoulder hurt because he got smashed and shot and all mm-hmm. this shit. He's struggling. <laughs> just, he's at the end of his rope. Now he basically just decides He's going to, you know, give the loop guru his best shot. He's going to go out fighting. The loop guru is going to remember him at least. You know, McFinn's going to wake up mad at him. Is kind of his goal. <laughs> you know, kind of like he, you know, again, he said this line. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to reference it for the next two decades of this podcast. If Victor Sells wants to kill me, he's going to have to shove his magic down my throat. You know, but he's getting ready to die. And this is the first time we hear about de- the death curse which is another really cool piece of lore that I would love to chat about as we get through this. The, uh, the death curse is really cool. Do we learn about it in future books? Yeah, they bring it up more. We actually see it in action at one point. I was actually just thinking, do we don't see an action? We do see it in action at one point, but we learn a lot about it. It is basically, yeah, we learn a lot about it. And and there's actually some spoiler free thoughts I can give on it kind of in our analysis Mm -hmm. section. And when we we get to that, I I do want to talk about it a little bit because there's some cool stuff that happens with it that obviously I can't get into, but uh, the general idea is, you know, as as you're going, we'll, we'll talk about, but he mentions that he can use his death curse. Maybe he can, counter maybe he's stronger than saint patrick and he can take the curse off of mcfinn you know maybe he can bring down marcone's criminal empire like clearly this is a powerful working he's thinking of these things so he brings out his silver pentacle amulet to give him some power and some focus as he thinks about his death curse mm-hmm. the uh silver pentacle amulet that he inherited from his mother uh-huh silver i love it inherited inherited silver Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. He takes the pentacle off his neck. He breaks the chain in his haste. He starts to spin it around. His head. Because when you spin something around in a circle, you are defining the, the edges of a circle. A circle. And when you are a wizard, certainly a wizard of the White Council, a spellslinger of the highest caliber, and you are defining the edges of a circle... You can inject some will into that circle and create a magic circle. And as he does that, he is gathering his power. He's spinning the spinning the necklace around. And I just I love this moment. Again, I, I'm gonna Joshy Carroll here. Just as an aside, we have a game we play. I have four siblings in my family. And we have a game that me and one of my other sisters developed where if you're acting like another sibling <laughs> or another one of our parents, or you're acting like someone else, we call you by your first name and their middle name. And in this case, we're making fun of you 
making fun of the other person and also just being a general fun, exciting group to be around. Just being annoying. <laughs> but in this case, so me being Joshua Carroll is, spoiler alert, that's Alyssa's middle name, channeling <laughs> Alyssa here. And uh, it's incredibly cinematic. I love this moment. I mean, this is a, this is a, an action scene. I mean, I, John McClane ver- version of a wizard spinning the necklace, spinning drink, right. spinning the necklace around. He's got a you know a maybe dirty cop who we've had a good relationship with, but it's awkward. You know, pointing a gun at him. He's got the bad guy on one side. There's another bad guy he doesn't see. This is just a fucking cool scene. Yes, the whole thing is but awesome. You need to know very little about any of these four characters for this to, or the lore for this to be a really fucking cool scene. You just need to be that, no, this is a magic dude spinning a magic amulet in a magic spell. There's a cop, there's a dirty FBI Mm -hmm. agent, and there's a werewolf. Like, you need to know nothing else. (laughs) And it's a great fucking action scene. But the interaction's really funny Mm -hmm. where uh, he's spinning it around. So (laughs) as he's adding power to the circle, the amulet is beginning to glow a blue light. He's getting his wind spell. Vento Servitas is his wind spell. He's trying to gather it to make sure that the amulet is blown in the right direction, which makes sense. He wants, you know, it's not, the force spell would send force and he doesn't want to blast the werewolf back like he did last time, right? He wants to send a wind to push the amulet, in this case, the projectile weapon Mm -hmm. at the loop guru. Um, So he's using his, his, or did he use Fuego last time? It was Fuego, I think, which which doesn't make I sense. Right. It should have been. Um, why a fireball would blast him three doors over three, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, I, I in my mind, he uses uh Forzare there, but uh, neither here nor there, but he's spinning around saying Ventus Civitas, Ventus, Ventus Civitas, getting it going, getting it, getting it wrapped, you know, get gathering power. We saw this last with Victor cells, right? Chanting in a circle, gathering power, gathering power. And the repetition mm-hmm. is continuing to gather power. And all that power is stored in the circle. It's it's contained. And now you can build that, build that power, build that spell, shape that spell. And then when he releases the circle, all that power is blasting out of the circle in the direction the wizard projects it. In this case, presumably at the, at the loop group. Mm-hmm. And as he's doing that, Murphy steps between him and the loop guru and says, Harry, get down on the ground right now with her gun pointed directly at him. His eyes widen. He could see the loop guru. He sought focus on her. Oh, now he's going to eat Murphy. And he can't speak. He can't break the chain or stop rolling the amulet. Right? If he does any of those, the power is going to be lost. And trust. I love that the entire sentence is that one little word that means so much. Mm-hmm. It's just a great callback to the beginning of you know chapter thirty one. It's just I I love it. Yes, it's a, it's a full sentence. I mean, it's I mean definitionally grammatically not, but the word trust. Period. It's just so. It's just it's just such clever writing. It's such a great callback. Um, but he says whatever trust she had in me was gone, and he said if the loop grew got through me, it would kill you know obviously all the alphas, and he isn't going to let it get Murphy. That's kind of what he decides. It's not getting Murphy. It's not getting Susan. It's not getting the kids. And she says it again. Harry, her voice pleading, please, Harry, get down. The loop guru comes out. Murphy draws in a breath, ready to fire. He kept the, the amulet whirling, felt the power grow, my head splitting with agony. 
He made his choice, and he hoped he could finish the job before Murphy gunned me down. Everything in the past few days came down to that single instant. So good. So good. He plays around with time here. He says it all slowed down, giving me time to view it in agonizing detail. In the last in the last couple chapters, the number of times he mentions time slowing down is crazy. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. it the loop guru rose up behind Murphy, leaping towards her through the air. It was huge and powerful and more terrifying than ever. Jaws open wide, aiming for her blonde I mean, head. Flying through the air. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Murphy narrowed her eyes, peering down the barrel, the shaking barrel of her gun. Which I love because, mm -hmm. as we learn in a second, the shot she's about to take is made more difficult by Harry not getting down. Which in this case isn't Harry's fault. He's busy. Yeah. But he says, flame blossomed from the barrel. She wasn't 20 feet away from him. Oh, she's, uh, you know, she's won Marksman Awards. Um, he's referenced in the past. So she's not going to miss. With the pang of sadness, he wanted to apologize before the end. Bento servitas, he shouted and released the spell, the circle and the amulet. As the sound of the shot hit me like a slap in the face, power rushed out of me. Everything I had left in me. That's a great sentence because it makes you makes it sound like he got shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's fantastic. Like it's, again, it's a great, it's great writing. Oh yeah. It really is. But the sound of the shot hit me. Yes. And then... <laughs> He says, something hot and painful hammered into my torso, almost like it had hit me in the back. Almost. I toppled forward. You obviously didn't get shot here, bro. But it's just funny that, like, you know, try to put all that together. But I watched what happened to the amulet. It flew to Luke Guru like a comet, incandescent white. It's great. This is weird because this all happens, like, kind of in a second, supposedly. But it's got a long chapter about all this stuff. You know, basically, blue fire erupted from its chest. Black, it's black heart, heart's blood ignited. It's a whole to do. You know, he moves back into Harley McFinn. You know, you can see him kind of give Harry a smile, like forgive him basically. Like he's happy basically that it's done, you know? Yeah. Harry's own blackness followed soon after. It, again, it, it, is it the strongest writing ever? There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, but like the idea that all of this happens as he's toppling forward and falls over doesn't compute. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, people fall over if you're shot, not at close range, though. Like, you do, some people do fall forward when they get shot, but not when you're, if you're shot at close range. Also, depending on how big your gun is. Oh, no, no, I was, I was even talking about the shot. I mean, obviously, oh, okay. from 20 feet away, he gets shot. You're not falling forward immediately, like something hit you in the back. But. No, but if you, like, the thing is, if you get shot, you can stand up and then fall forward. It does happen. Oh, sure, sure. That's but realistic. He, he never rocks back. Clearly. Also, he didn't get shot. <laughs> no, I know um, he didn't get shot. But what, it is funny, no, I know, but what, no, I mean, all, as he's falling forward, there's, like, three paragraphs of stuff that happens to McFinn. It's at least 15 seconds worth of stuff as he's falling forward. In my, It's just kind of ridiculous is all I'm saying. Like mm -hmm. he sees all this as he's falling to the ground, but it's all good stuff. It's, it's really, I mean, it's a really cool description of the curse being broken and him being killed. It's really cool, mm -hmm. but it's iffy on everything, every other level, you know, <laughs> but his own blackness followed soon after.
Uh, okay, so it, again, he blacks out again. This is a, what our third time of him blacking out in this in this book. Um, I woke up. That surprised me in itself. I woke up to see the moon still high overhead and to feel Murphy's hand on my forehead. Come on, Harry, she whispered. Don't do this to me. He blinks a few times and says, you shot me, Murph. I can't believe you shot me. She blinked her eyes at me to hold back tears. You stupid jerk. She said her voice gentle. You should have got down when I told you to. I was busy. Yeah, I saw that after. <laughs> Again, communication. It's all right. I forgive you. I thought it was very generous of me, appropri uh, appropriate to the last moments of a man's life. Murphy blinked at me and then stiffened. You what? Forgive you, Murph, for shooting me. Your job and all. I understand. Murphy's eyes narrowed dangerously. You think, she said, her voice twisted with disgust, and she sputtered for a moment, then spat to one side. She began again. You think that I thought you were one of the bad guys? Still? And I shot you because you wouldn't surrender. I felt too, wizzy, too weak and dizzy to argue. Hey, it's understandable. Don't worry about it, I shivered. I'm so cold. We're all cold, moron. Murphy snapped. A front came through about the same time they threw us in that freaking pit. It must be below 40 already, and we're wet besides. Sit up, El Cid. I blinked at her. I, uh, what? Sit up, dummy. Look behind you. <laughs> this is such like, a silly drama queen moment. It's hilarious. <coughs> I shot him, you jerk. It was just kind of like, while he was protecting her from the loop guru, she was protecting him from Denton. It's great. I think it's great. It's freaking awesome. And she's like, you didn't, you didn't think Dresden. She said, flipping her hair back from her eyes. Dramatic death scene. Noble sacrifice, right? Tragically misunderstood. Ah, I understand you, buddy. You're such a pompous, arrogant, pretentious, so chauvinistic, hopelessly old-fashioned, Stupidly pig-headed. <laughs> Murphy went on in graphic detail and at great length about me as she walked away to call the police and an ambulance, and it was music to my ears. But he's chauvinistic, hopelessly old-fashioned, and stupidly pig-headed. I mean, I get it. It's so good. Also, I, it is so fantastic. I like that she uses. Or maybe I don't like. I think I don't like actually. El Cid. Who says that versus Joan of Arc? Like, come on, like the, when you're calling someone a martyr, it's Joan of Arc. That, well, we also grew up Catholic. So did she. The, uh, the, oh, that's right. They mentioned that. Um, but I mean, El Cid is a or Spanish. Benedict kid. Arnold. Like, those are the two. Well, Benedict Arnold's not a martyr. He's a traitor. But don't people refer to him like, wasn't that what they, people refer to him as a martyr, though? That would probably be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Tories do. Do we need to have a conversation mm. about where your loyalties lie? No. no Alyssa no, 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 no. Has, has lived over the pond as well. Across the pond. I'm not a Tory, I promise. Tory fuck. Definitely not. Of course not, because you're, you're a good, good human being. Uh, but yeah, no, but she is as well. Again, that's, it is a, a weird reference, but maybe that's more butcher speaking than Murphy. No, it is. And you know what I mean? What I mean by that is it's unnecessarily male. That's true. Every, especially every Catholic. I mean, it's a common refrain to like, maybe that's just the Catholics I grew up around. But okay, Joan, like that's what you would say. Like you would, you would compare someone to Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc is the 
is the martyr of choice in this turn of phrase. Maybe it's generationally El Cid. Maybe we should ask Brenna. She's a lot older than us. Maybe generationally El Cid fits in there, but like, come on. That is, he didn't want his wizard hero to be referenced as a girl. That's true. No, that that is, that is another, that is, I didn't even think about that. That is a total yikes moment. Right? It's almost anti, it's yikesy by proxy, I feel like. But it's yikesy from the author's perspective. Yeah, and that one's definitely on on Butcher. Like she would say, again, Murphy is an Irish Catholic from a big Irish Catholic Irish Catholic family. Like obviously Murphy, yeah, right? a big Irish Catholic cop family. Yeah, from Chicago. She would say Joan there, no, I and think she did right. because because that would be somebody calling his wizard a woman, which isn't even what it's doing. But that's. I think that's that's a bad that's a worse yikes than some of the other ones. Yeah. You can't blame that on you can't blame that on the characters. No, you can't. <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. Maybe it's maybe he's just going for a deep album cut. Yeah, he does it, that a lot. Yeah, but that's that is blatantly like mm, I don't like that. But I mean, he he a lot of references throughout. He like tries to make like deep ones. You know, yeah. like, ones that's what I mean by deep album cut. Like he, he'll make references that like make you like. You know what I mean? Like that could be what he's going for there. But here's the thing. Some of those deep, weird references would make sense with Harry, not yes. with Murphy. Yeah. That's not a thing. Murphy. Yeah. hundred percent. Again, why it pops is Murphy uses a reference that uh, it's just weird. Yeah, I know. It totally is. Okay. So moving on. And then, you know, they, 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 the police had a hell of a time sorting out, sorting out the mess. Harry and, and Murphy destroyed the wolf belts and they went, she went with, he went with Murphy to Carmichael's funeral and she went with him to, to Kim Delaney's. Those are the kind of things friends do for each other. Mr. Hendrick survived. He had a vest on, so he's all well and <laughs> Yay! good. Yay! So Murphy got, sorry, Marcone got arrested on general principles, but nothing stuck. This is a weird, okay, so this is a weird paragraph because of the way it's written. Both times I listened to it, I had to actually look at the text and be like, what the fuck is he trying to say here? And this is merely probably pedantic, but whatever. Marconi got arrested on general principles, but nothing stuck. Though everything had happened on his property, injuries on the FBI agents indicated that they had all been done, they had all done one another in or been killed by an animal, except for Denton, of course. None of the peace officers there had possessed a warrant, et cetera, et cetera. I hear his lawyers had him out in less than three hours. The, the first two times I heard that, I'm like, Denton's lawyers had him out in three hours? He's dead. It's just a weird, the, the run-on sentence in the middle made that paragraph annoy me. So, you know, I talk about some of the stuff uh, that pop, that jumps out as like rep- repetitious in this novel. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to compliment that one author, in this case, Drink, but... She often will say, and he, Harry. Yeah. She overuses it, certainly. Again, that's one of those phrases that like pops. And he, Harry, did this. Yeah. And he, Harry. But it's like, for all her, for all her, like, understanding of pronouns in her fucking (laughs) novels, you'd think she'd understand how to use them in goddamn real life. Um, But is, you know, that's the situation there where he could have said he, you know, and Marcone's lawyers, but like understanding like how to, uh, it's just a phrasing that I don't come across a ton yeah. in writing, but like, and he, 
person yeah. subject of the sentence but it's a good use of you know connecting it back yeah that would have been a good place for it just for clarity's yeah. sake it's not necessary necessary it's not necessary but it is it yeah. is for clarity's sake it would be appreciated and i guess she could just say and harry did this yeah but i don't know it's- well here I, I hear marconi's lawyer had him out in less than three hours would make way more sense exactly i mean it's just one of those things just interesting uh okay and then, so Marconi calls Harry and says, you owe me your life, Mr. Dresden. Are you sure we can't talk business? The way I see it, John, I told him, you owe me your life. After all, even if you'd cut yourself free, you'd have just fallen down into the pit and gotten eaten up with the rest of us. I figure you were, I, I, sorry. I figure you thought your highest chances of survival were in freeing me, the wizard who deals with this kind of thing, <laughs> to handle it. Of course, Marconi said with a note of disappointment in his voice. I just hoped you hadn't realized it. Nonetheless, Harry. Don't call me Harry, I said and hung up on him. I love that. That's so, like, bratty. It's fantastic. Um, and then, you know, Susan had gotten a film of, of the incident and it was on the news for a couple days and then it disappeared and it was all, it was fake. It was all fake. But while that video was out, Politicians got involved and got Murph a real fucking name tag for her office. I'm so happy for her. So exciting. And, you know, her IA went away, but whatever. But the name plate. Um, But, you know, the tabloid video got dismissed as a tabloid video. Some people just can't deal with the thought of the supernatural being real. real. Federal government is like that a lot. I'm joking. It didn't just get... Um, dismissed as a tabloid video, it disappeared. And then, yes. and then people said, ah, that was just a tabloid. That's just a tabloid video, which is fantastic. Um, but, the, you know, the film's disappearance didn't stop Susan from getting a big raise and a promotion, and she got to be on Larry King, which is hilarious. And he says, maybe in a few hundred years, people might actually be willing to consider what was real in the world with an open mind. But I doubted it. <laughs> and then Harry... Harry has a realization. He's thinking that over the last couple of months, something crazy has been going on, and, it, and it's, it's too coincidental. He says, first, a power-drunk warlock had appeared out of nowhere and had to duke it out with... Uh, sorry, and I had to duke it out with him in his own stronghold before he murdered me outright. And then Denton and his people showed up with enchanted wolf belts and raised hell. Black wizards don't just grow up like toadstools, you know. Someone has to teach them complicated things like summoning demons, ritual magic, and cliched villain dialogue. The most important part. Of course. And, you know, and somebody had to give Denton the belts. And he's, you know, he's like, I'm not much a believer in coincidence. Could it have been one of my enemies on the White Council? One of the beings of the Never Never who would come to hate me? I was on the list of a number of nasty things for one reason or another. I mean, this is like... Are we, okay, so this is going to be, everybody's going to have to drink in a moment. Um, my thought was, is Chicago a fucking hell mouth? <laughs> Ooh, there's one in Cleveland. Right? <laughs> um, drink. I mean, drank. But that was, that was my like, is this like a hell mouth sort of situation? Like, what's with the baddies? Like, that was my initial uh, thought on that matter. Mm-hmm. 
And that he and he and uh, Mister cuddle up on the couch and call Susan to come over. And that is the end of Full Moon. All right. I, I mean, we're getting to some of the analysis here. I, like I, said, I mean, I, I don't want to hammer too much on that. How much better I thought than it it was than it was going to be, but that's awesome. I think it's great. I'm though. very excited about. Again, I, I still think this the the plot is is relatively weak, and I touched on that earlier. But it's just a little bloated with the the hex and wolves. Just or no, sorry, not the hex and wolves. The lycanthropes. Just it just confuses the story, and it's, they don't act as a great red herring because, like, if, if it was, you know, trying to throw them as a red herring, then you wouldn't have had that soul gaze. Oh, oh I forgot that soul gaze. <laughs> Harry and Parker when I was talking about Pogus oh, yeah. earlier. Um, but like that kind of dismissed them as the villain of the piece. So they don't really serve a purpose in the narrative. They do stuff. They're actors. You know, they end up cap, you know, kidnapping Harry and stuff and giving him, Marco- you know, whatever, having that extra Marcone interaction. And they, but as you build a story around, you know, they, they matter in the story, but like taking a step back, they don't need to exist. And they just kind of bloat and distract a little bit, in my mind. Right or wrong? That's my opinion. I think I kind of saw it as like they're the Scooby gang. The Lycanthropes? Yeah. They're there to try and help. They're no. trying to help Harry no, no, no. save the world. No, those are the Alphas. I like the, Who are the Lycanthropes. I like the Alphas. The um, the Street Wolves. Oh. But, well, I mean, the Okay. The, aren't the alphas lycanthropes too, though? No, the alphas are werewolves. What's the difference again? So apparently, we missed it. I'm trying to. It, it was a minute. It was four weeks ago when we. No, discussed. I know. And we actually apparently in the in the chapter where we talked about this. Apparently, I skipped mm-hmm. over lycanthropes. Oh, funny. Lycanthropes are human shaped, and they stay human shaped, but they have like spirit, the spirit of predators in them. So, ah, so the street wolves never actually change from human shaped into wolf shape. Okay. But they have like a wolf spirit. And as they get closer to the full moon, they get powerful and their spirit, you know, so that's why Parker was able to heal the gunshot wound basically immediately. But they are a different kind of werewolf than the alphas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense then. Yeah. So again, it was, he was just trying to like cover all his bases and like all the things that Bob said, oh, these exist, these exist. They just don't need to exist in the story. But again, eh, neither here nor there. Some interesting lore besides all the different types of lupine theriomorphs. You have any uh, thoughts or questions on that? Or I, I, have some I do have thoughts on lore. Oh, good. Yes, sir, Bob. Okay, so this is, this is, I have other content and story things, but the, uh, the lore. Harry talks about, Harry talks about, his inability to bring magic in that moment. He says magic comes from the heart, from your feelings, from your deepest expressions of desire. That's why black magic is so easy. It comes from lust, from fear and anger, from things that are so easy to feed and make grow. The sword I do is harder. It comes from something deeper than that, a truer and purer source, harder to tap, harder to keep, but ultimately more elegant, more powerful. My magic, that was at the heart of me. It was a manifestation of what I believed, what I lived. It came from my desire to see to it that someone stood between the darkness and the people that would devour it. This says so much about magic in the book, but also says why he couldn't do magic for the last bunch of time. 
because he didn't believe that he could stand between light and dark. He lost his will. He lost his belief. And he, I don't know. I, I, he was, he was leaning into the darkness. That's how I saw that, that he was leaning into the darkness, that he was, he was losing his, he was finding fear and anger easier than that tr truer and purer source. I mean, I certainly believe that that would be a more interesting tale. I just don't, I don't see that version of events. Um, Cause when did his magic fail? How many times did no, no, he... No, when did it start failing him is what I'm getting. When did it... Oh, I don't know. Let me see if I have... I mean, I'm trying to remember the, when he's fighting Parker after he blows up the tire. But before then, he was just getting tired. It was... Yeah, no, I think that might have been it. Right, right then. And then when he wakes up... Um, with the blood ivy. He wakes himself in the, in the full moon garage. So. Or wakes up in full moon garage. So in my mind, the only real dark things he did here was when he put on the belt. But. 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 The, it's the fear and anger. No, no. But. And loss of faith. There's a textual piece of evidence for what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Whether or not this is one of those English class thoughts. Yeah. Very likely. In Butcher's description, in, or rather in Dresden's description of what happened at the police station, he was collecting his own power, his own emotions, to do those couple of big-ass fuego spells he did. Mm -hmm. In our understanding of the text, certainly in mine, and you seem to agree last week, he was channeling these police stations full of fears yeah. power. So there might actually be something to what you're saying is that he was tapping into the darkness a little bit unintentionally. Yes. I don't think it was intentional, but I also think that but he had lost, he had lost his faith in himself well, because, because that belief that he was standing between good and evil, because when when people were dying, innocent people were dying. And when he saw Carmichael, no, he lost, I think he lost some faith in that belief that, you know, his desire to, to see to it that someone stood between the darkness and the people it would devour. What? That's just my, that was my, it's a very, like, it's a very, like, ridiculous kind well, of out there sort of moment. I would say but, out there. It's interesting. But the, Problem is, two minutes after that, he blasts Loop Guru to the fucking moon. Because he made that realization from the, he, and he, he said, um, it came from this love of a good stake, from the way I would sometimes cry at a good movie or a moving symphony, mm -hmm. from my life, from the hope that I could make things better for someone else, if not always for me. Yeah. I mean, Somewhere in all of that, I touched on something that wasn't tapped out. In spite of how horrible the past few days was. Days had been something that hadn't gone cold and numb inside of me. Wait, it's that hope. But he's like, he found hope again. No, that's when he throws the amulet. Right? Well, no, because this is right before where he... Is that what he... Yeah. What, yeah. Uh, Because it's... I began to blow azure blue... Yeah, that's when yeah, he... Okay. No, what, what I'm talking about is after... Car 10 minutes after Carmichael dies... Huh. 
he blasts the loop guru over like through a building and a half. But he doesn't use his own power. Yeah. That is pulling power from elsewhere. Well, he doesn't think he's doing that. Again, I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I like is. your idea, and I do think it actually fits kind of with what we thought about last week, whereas he was pulling power from other people. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the I think the Occam's razor is he was just tired. <laughs> I think that is, is part of it. Yeah, no, I think that is part of it. But no, it's definitely an interesting. I, I like the idea. It's certainly interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's good shit. It's certainly, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I think it's meaty and I love it. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I have a couple of lore thoughts. If you, do you have any other ones, or do you have any questions I can answer first? No, that was not really. There are a couple little funny details that I noticed, but nothing really lore. So uh, we kind of skipped over it in chapter thirty-eight, thirty-four rather, where uh, he drops off Tara, where he meets Tara rather. And she said, I wish to tell you that what you did was necessary. And I wish to tell you goodbye. Um, and she got naked again, because sure. <laughs> yeah. We need we need hot naked people. Or what are we even writing? Why are we even re- writing novels if we're not going to write in some hot naked people? Um, uh, he said, where will you go? And she said, I have family. I haven't seen them in a long time. I will return to them now. And he said, maybe you'll call sometime. <laughs> she smiled and said, no, Harry Dresden, that is not the way of my kind. Come to great to the great mountains in the northwest one winter. Perhaps I will be there. And he figures it out, basically. Or, you know, he thinks he figures it out. But he said, uh, all those people shape-shifting into wolves. And I had never once considered the possibility of a wolf shape-shifting mm-hmm. into a person. Um, I just love that idea. I talked about how like dumb it was for him to shove all these different types of werewolves into the novel. The flip side is this is so fucking cool and so different. She's a, she's a were human. She's a wolf that gallivants around as a human. I think that's great. Which makes a lot of sense regarding her speech patterns. Yeah. And, um, I mentioned it last, or you said it last week, and I said, oh, let's put a pin in that. When uh, she tells the alphas, come back to yourselves, when she wants them to come back to be human. And what I said I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about with, with respect to her is that for her, most of this novel, she's not herself. And so that, that's yeah. a really powerful, you, know, you said that was a powerful line talking about the alphas, like, you're not the wolf, you're not the wolf, you're not the wolf. Yeah. Um, but the reverse is true as well. That actually, makes sense. Yeah. She spent this entire book as a human, and you know, with just that one line to Harry about how animals don't do what humans do. Like humans yeah. are, and when he, I love that he turns that around to, I'm gonna get really human, which was great. But I just love that line, having you know, knowing kind of this backstory about Tara that she is not herself. The whole novel, she's acting as something she's not, and so we talk about how hard it is for the alphas to be wolves because they're not wolves they're trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. she's spending this novel trying to figure out how to be a human i just love every part of that i love every part of tara in general but that just kind of shapes those interactions in an interesting way yeah it does so that's why i wanted to put a pin in that last week and why i was annoying about it 
Two, real quick on the death curse. Basically, the idea is as a wizard is dying, they get they get one last shot. And so you, if you kill them quickly enough, obviously, they can't blow it. But as they die, they get to they get to cast one powerful piece of magic. And it is basically they're using up everything they got left. Like I'm dying. So your death curse is like lit you're lit. It's a death rattle. Exactly. It's a death rattle. Exactly. Uh, they pop and drop a lot of gold and a death curse. It is everything they have left, they're sending out. So we see some really interesting versions of this later on, and they discuss some hypothetical versions of it later on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the idea of, like, taking down Marcone's entire criminal empire, Harry could do that. Like, Harry could, could do that with a death mm -hmm. curse. Harry could do incredible things because he's so powerful his death curse would likewise be that much more powerful than the average wizard, right? So they, they come up later and there's some really cool interactions with that. And I wonder if that might've been St. Patrick's death curse because it seemed, seemed okay. to be pretty powerful. And speaking of, do you remember like the actual curse that St. Patrick put on him? No. I mean, I remember that he put a curse on him. I don't remember the exact thing at all. So it, this is just a line from Chauncey back then where he, the curse came with two addenda. First, that it would be hereditary, passing down to someone new each and every generation. And second, that the cursed line of family would never, ever die out, lasting until the end of days. Interesting. That sound, that I could say that would be a death curse, sure. Sure. But also, is this the end of days? Or oh. what's the alternative there? And this is the part I love. He's Somebody else is going to become the loop guru. Someone in his family, which means working through. We, we could have another loop guru. I know, but someone has to be hereditary, gets passed down. Or it, it not, but it doesn't necessarily get passed down like that. It could be like in line of succession with, um, with royalty. Sure. But it means he has a kid is what it means. But, but. It, are, you mean there's going to be another slayer? But I drink more specific. <laughs> Think through more specific. He's a child. I know. A son. Nara the wolf is pregnant with a half-human, half-wolf hybrid. Possible. Okay. She has to be, right? Maybe. This is know. not a spoiler. I don't know. There's one reference to her where someone else says, the one who you know as Tara West says hello or something like that. Whatever. Some uh. bullshit. They reference that she's alive. But this curse has to go on. It has to be hereditary. So either he had that's I guess that's fair. Yours is the way simpler, like vanilla Sorry. version. That oh he back in Nam he impregnated some Vietnamese woman. Sure. Or um, or it's like it's like it's like the this line of secession with royalty where it's a cousin or a brother or something like that. Yeah, his his seventeenth cousin four times removed. Um the only sure. other blood the, the only other of the bloodline. Yeah. All of that is fine and reasonable. Or is, only, or is there only one werewolf or loop guru? Maybe there's yeah. more than one in the, in the family. That's true. That could possibly be it. I just like to think that Tara the werehuman is pregnant. And I think that that offspring would be really cool to see later on as someone of two worlds. Be interesting. That's all I got. Those are my those are my lore thoughts and questions and things. So yeah, um, any other thoughts before we get into our uh, yikesies? So I 
think it's interesting. This was just a, something that I thought was interesting. Marconi always uses honorifics and titles. He's the only one. And the one time he doesn't, Harry hangs up on him. That's just an observation. Yeah, they have a, uh, it, there's an interesting point in one of the upcoming ones that I don't want to get too much into. But like, it's this weird old timey idea of like, Mr. and Miss. You mean perhaps as though Marconi is not human? Uh, and he's weird. been living for a longer period of time than normal people where that was the norm, perhaps? Well, certainly an interesting way to describe communication with people. But again, Harry is the one who hangs up on him and gets pissed when he calls him Harry. I don't think he gets pissed on him. I think he was just being cheeky. That's probably fair, actually. That I didn't see him like, as getting pissed. He was just being cheeky. That does sound more like Harry just being antagonistic. Oh, yeah, 100%, especially with Marconi. That's fair. But yeah, no, it's, um, there's some other instances of that. That seems like a weird butcherism, but I love the idea of tying it into this, uh... My crackpot I- theory? Idea that Marcone may be more than meets the eye. Optimus Prime? Hey. Marcone Miss Prime? Do you know the next Transformers movie is going to have the, uh, Maximals? Oh, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> From, uh, Beast Wars. Beast Wars nice. is, like, incredible television show from the late 90s early 90s mid 90s i don't fucking know either way yikes um moving on to yikes i mean there were a couple obviously that jumped out but um you know we touched on a couple of the the, the tips of her breast it's just yeah. like so stupid. i literally have a page um, for that one it's like yikes it's like, ben's description yeah, I mean, he talks about it. Again, giving credit as human beings, like thinking about titties. Yeah, happens. but like, it's the just, it's how he describes Look it. At it. But yeah, like he's not. This isn't in his head. He's putting, giving this information to somebody. He's writing it down, mm-hmm. or he's telling someone. Like he's giving this information to other people. I don't need a description of like. Yeah. Are, well, and like he's like, holding Denton at gunpoint and is noticing her breaths are rather, rather pretty and distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm trying to save my friend here. Um, I got six passed out wolves of different types. Uh, Murphy's got a knife to her throat. I'm trying to solve this fucking big murder conspiracy. Ooh, titties. <laughs> hey, Den- dress it, squirrel. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah, no, it's not, not, it's not at all. Um, I, I do think the uh, El Cid is just too deep of a cut to be reasonable, and it has you know misogyny yeah. written yeah. undertone. Obviously, in the moment, you're not reading the book and thinking, "Oh my God, he is so, that is so sexist." How dare like this is the the part where like again, there's a lot of people that don't agree with some of our descriptions of what's happening and. That's fine. Uh, I, I think, yeah, you know what? You're allowed to think what you think. We think what I think. I, I don't think Butcher's a bad guy. I think he grew up in the world he grew up in and is doing his best, just like anyone else. You know, I, I'm certainly not perfect, but I, it's, it's one of those things where, in this, in and of itself, referencing you know some obscure Spanish martyr isn't a problem. No. It's not right. I mean, it, you you can reference whoever you want. That that. That it's not misogynistic to reference El no, Cid. Like that's dumb to say. 
and that's you know the idea of like the anti-CRT thing it was like oh it's racist to be white like no but whiteness is connected to racism right like, like those are that's not saying you're racist it's not saying he's sexist but putting this in there is evidence of just a societal norm of not wanting your strong male characters to be compared to females compared to a female yeah. exactly and that is again this isn't that's not out of left field it's not like i no. i grew up in a big irish catholic family we shit on each other we make fun of each other we call each other martyrs like and again i went to a catholic school k-8 to i learned a lot about the things i don't believe in like <laughs> I, i'm a very I, I i love to have conversations with Christians, because I, I have a good understanding of what they're talking about. I used to mm -hmm. think a lot of the things they're thinking. Um, I, I love, it's a good conversation. And I, I, I try to be as respectful as possible, but within reason. Um, but this isn't me saying like, oh my God, trying to dig through it and find something misogynist. But like, no. there's no universe where she doesn't call him Joan of Arc right there. <laughs> exactly. She references it, no, Joan I of Arc. That, that is what that character with that backstory, with that history... Exactly. And, no, that's very, very accurate. That's very true. And, very, why, very and true. why didn't she? The only reason why would be the author's, you know, subconscious bias. That's again, not he's not a bad dude. I don't think he's trying to shit on women in that moment. It's just it's a weird it's a weird moment. Yeah, that's what the patriarchy is. A bunch of weird little things that on in and of themselves, that's what structural racism is. Mm -hmm. Individual things in and of themselves that don't look that bad. But you put them all together and you realize the deck is stacked and that's what the patriarchy is. That's, that's what we're talking about. Why we're approaching this from that angle. Like we love, I, I was say, say we, cause I don't know what Lissy likes, but like, I love this story. I love these characters. I love Jim Butcher. I think he's a genius, but there are real issues. And it, it, this is a real problem in the world that people just don't want strong males. We compared to females. It, you know, I, what it is, is that, he couldn't possibly be compared to a woman because a woman would be construed as weaker. And the other, the reason why we have the X moment, 90% of them are sexualizing the female characters. That's all. And that's where women are sexual objects. And that's part of the, the issue with, I can't you know, sexualize my male hero. That would be ridiculous. Exactly. But you can sexualize the female heroes um, until she does something that you, that she doesn't let you. Um, that was one of the things too, I, the anti-yikes, I did have an anti-yikes mm -hmm. where how Murphy was presented in chapters 32 and 33. She is presented as a motherfucking badass. And I literally, I wrote down anti-yikes Murphy in those two chapters because it was very much both Butcher and Harry are letting Murphy take care of herself now because you know, the whole, I'm a cop, I'm a yeah. cop. Butcher and Harry are letting Murphy take care of herself. And I love it. Yeah, no, and we've seen that kind of development in Harry where she's become, she's not a woman anymore. She's a person. Mm -hmm. And that is why her descriptions are different. Which is great. Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> It's a great uh, end result for sure. Yes, very much so. Um, and the other thing, so the this isn't so much yikes, but... Um, <clears throat> Other than from a fashion standpoint. Um, <laughs> in my head, the wolf belts are fuzzy fanny packs. 
<laughs> yes, yes, they are. Uh, and for people who live outside of the United States, they're not called they're called belt bags. Um, fanny means something completely different in UK slang, so I just want to specify that. But yes, in my head, that is what I see. Belt Where they're bags. in the they're in their FBI suits, and they have fuzzy fanny packs. I think they would be so much less lame if they were called belt bags here. <laughs> yes. yes, part of the lameness is they're called a fanny pack. Fanny, called a fanny pack, yeah. But that was that was my yikes, uh, yikes for fashion. Aaron does oh, rock rock the shit out of a fanny pack on oh, the yeah. night out, though. I'll tell you what. Oh, heck yeah. Know, she rocks the she shit out of a belt bag. <laughs> a belt bag, yes. That it's too. a belt bag. Oh. Um, but yeah, that was my um, <laughs> my uh, other kind of yikes. I thought that was a. <laughs> I like it. I do have uh, the 25 best fantasy novels of all time on uh, booksofbrilliance.com. Came out last week. But uh, apparently. Dresden Files is a top 25 fantasy series of all time to these people. Sweet. It was just kind of a fun, uh, you know, you like when people get pub. Okay, well, I want more. Yeah. A big part of this this podcast was for two reasons, three reasons. One, I wanted to make my sister have a locked-in time to have to talk to me every week. <laughs> two, I wanted Alyssa to read these books. I mean, I, I think they're, they're it's such a good series, I want to share it with people. And three... I want to try to get other people to read it. You know, like I, I love talking about things I like and I don't, I fear new things, but um, it's just such a good series. And like a lot of my friends who have said like, Hey, you know, like check out the podcast, see if you like it. Um, a lot of them have been like, Oh shit. You like Dresden files. It's like, you know, which has been really, really cool. Um, and one of my buddies who like, I said it in a group text, like, the buddy I would least expect to be like a fantasy book reader guy of the group. He's definitely as nerdy as the rest of the group, but just in different ways. Um, but yeah, it's a group text. It's like, Hey, check this out. And he's like, Oh, I have that. I bought that book a while ago. I just haven't read it yet. Like that's awesome. It's just like, it really, it's not like super culturally relevant, but it's, it's a pretty, you, know, you don't write 17 novels, you know, and get a bunch of, you know, bestsellers and stuff without having some, cachet and so there's there's like lissy said uh, lissy has said there's more people than you think have read them and i just mm -hmm. want to i want a i want that number to grow because it's it's a good series i want to share it with people but b like i just you know there's some really good stuff in here there's some other stuff but there's some really good stuff in there so yeah um, i agree We have our, our crackpot theory of the week to get through here, Lissy. Um, and then I yes. have a new surprise that we're actually going to add on as an ad Ruh -ruh. addendum to the crack. Literally, I just love, again, this crackpot theory of the week is my favorite part of this podcast <laughs> because it has, it adds, it has no, I have to do zero work on it. <laughs> um, even on the editing, usually I just let you cook. And that's, <laughs> that's my awesome. favorite thing to do is to not work. So... Let's uh, get into our Crackpot Theory of the Week. All right. Crackpot Theory of the Week. This is we are rehashing an old one, but I have receipts. <laughs> Literally have chapter references. Okay. We are back to Marconi. Motherfucker's not your typical human. He's got some sort of superpower. He's got some sort of superhuman thing. And it could be that he's lived a long time and he's immortal. I don't know. But he does have a soul. We know because he's soul gazed. But. There's something going on there. And here is my... Um, Do you want to spitball into what you think he is? 
I don't know what he is. That's the thing. Because I was like, well, he could be a vampire. But vampires, do vampires have souls in this universe? Because my whole thought is he lives longer. But I know all of the lore isn't the same. Like, it's not necessarily, he's not necessarily going to not be able to go into the light. Just like we were learning about the different types of werewolves. So it's like, he could be a vampire, but I don't know. I think he's just a, he might be some sort of immortal. I don't know what sort, but I feel he has some sort of special powers. And I have an example from almost every chapter. Okay. <laughs> okay. In chapter 29, Marco, literally in my notes, Marconi has other powers. He points the gun six inches away from Harry's head. It could be coincidence, but like Harry says, I don't believe in coincidence. Well, I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's, I don't think it's portrayed as coincidence. I think it's portrayed. Oh, as... no, it's not portrayed as coincidence no, at all. I think it's, it's he's got other powers. No, I, th I think it's, he knows where Harry entered the facility. So he's probably right over there somewhere. I mean, but it could also be that he's got some sort of like oh, it could, link. It could well, have. Well, that's the other, that's the other thing. Absolutely. He has some sort of link to Harry, I feel like. Um, and it, so in chapter 31, the FBI agents are beating the shit out of him and he slithers out of the meeting like an eel. Yeah, that was I know they eventually catch him, but there's yeah. a dog pile of two FBI agents who are well trained and they're fucking wolves and he gets out. That, like, was, that was a weird description for sure. Similar to the mm -hmm. uh, sliding on her buttocks. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right, in chapter 32, the rope knife move. Where he literally gets the knife and throws it and it cuts the rope right exactly where he needs it and so everybody can get on free. The third, or the fourth rather, the fourth note in chapter 33, he can see really well in the dark. He can see the loop guru in the pit. Harry says it's so dark you can't see anything but his eyes. He can see the loop guru in the pit. So he's got, he can find Harry. He slithers out of beating. He's got amazing reflexes with the knife and the rope. And he can see well in the dark. Why does he want Harry? Why? That's why I think there's some sort of connection between the two of them. Because he keeps, you know, going after Harry. So that's my, and that whole immortal thing came up really because of all how, the honorifics. That was a new de development where he uses all the honorifics and titles, mm -hmm. which is a very kind of old fashioned sort of vibe. Um, but yeah, that's my, all right. Favorite quote. All right. What do you got? All righty. This is Harry talking to Denton. But after the loud noise, remember to keep going down the tunnel and toward the light. <laughs> so sassy. So sassy. Go towards the light. Go towards the light. Oh, it's funny because mm -hmm. off camera, we were just, mm -hmm. we were just talking about poltergeist. <laughs> uh, go, go towards the light. That is great. Uh, and what's, and what's your second one? Because you always have two. I do have two. Well, I have two. I actually have three, but... um. Let me see. Okay. You can go all three. I have two also because I know you always are going to have two. So now I'm, I'm going to just have two. Uh, oh, and it, we already talked about this one in it. It's the only fools and madmen know what kind of, what know that kind of certainty. And I had already noted that oh, Denton that was one. no that fool. That was one of the better, yeah. certainly not my like, because I like doing fun ones, except for the one really sad one I did. But that, yeah, that was just like a, ooh. Oh. But my, my other one. Yeah. Because that one we already went over, and I went over it intentionally, so it couldn't be my quote of the day. Is, um, I was here to do battle with the forces of evil, such as they were. <laughs> I just like that one. Oh, right. that's, What's yours? That's a really good one. Um, 
I also have two, obviously. Of course, we always have multiples. I, I, it's really hard for me to pick. Yeah. I think this one, because I literally laughed out loud to the extent where like, <laughs> I was like, what what, what happened? I was like, ah. and I tried to explain it. It was like, this is good. Like you were talking about when you started yelling to the audiobook, luckily you weren't. Yes. Up yes. With other people. Yes. Very much so. I, through an awful twist of fate, was interacting with another live human being, um, which is just the worst. Um, but uh, I felt too weak and dizzy to argue. Don't worry about it. I shivered. I'm so cold. We're all cold, moron. Murphy snapped. I love that. A front came through about the same time they threw us in that freaking pit. Must be below 40 already, and we're wet besides. I hate that she finishes with Sid L. Sid. Yeah. But just you know, like, we're all cold, moron. I love it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Harry. <laughs> and uh, as my last opportunity, spoiler alert, but my last opportunity to reference a Tara quote. <laughs> when... He's waiting. He's after he gives his win one for the Gipper speech. Mm -hmm. uh, they're hanging out, waiting for her to come back. She comes up and says, "If you're any louder, wizard." Tara's soft voice came from behind me. We might as well walk through the front gate. I jumped and looked to see Tara naked and human, crouched down a few feet away. <laughs> oh, I love Tara. Yeah, Tara and Carmichael should be in every book. I appreciate them both. They need their own adventures. That's true. The adventures of Tara and yeah. Carmichael. <laughs> in the Northwest Mountains for some reason. All right. Yeah. Pretty great. Good stuff. I mean, any, uh, uh, let's, uh, beyond that, knowing the way all the titles in this series work, all but one are two words. Each word has the same number of syllables. Sorry. Same number of letters. Exactly. Words are hard. I don't do letter things combined, make sound right. Same number of letters in each word. And they usually have, you know, some kind of multiple meaning. I don't know, double entendre mm -hmm. necessarily, but well, multiple meanings, certainly. A full moon, obviously referring to, uh, you know, whatever they talk about a full moon, but. Well, and it's werewolves. And it, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it sounds like full moon. Um, they get fooled by Denton and the FBI. He gets fooled and goes to the full moon garage. You know, plenty of, plenty of like kind of easy interplay there. So I wanted to add, and by I, I mean, uh, this actually idea actually came from one of our listeners on Reddit. Check out our Reddit thread. Um, Dragon Fett. So we've had some good talks back and forth, but I thought this was a great idea and I really want to make you grind on it. So at the end of each book, look at the title and the cover art. Uh, maybe even the... I'd probably, yeah, not the description. Just the title and the cover art and think what, what the next book might be about. I don't know. That might be painful and it might not be interesting, but I thought that might be kind of cool just because. Or I might be completely ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, which is great. I want you to say some stuff that's really dumb. And unfortunately, not too many of your, even the theories that are wrong, of which I won't say which ones. Um, <laughs> there's some really good stuff in all of your thoughts. You know, also, kudos for nailing the Denton as a werewolf. That was really impressive. Oh my God. I was so excited that I was right on that one. Um, but, uh, so yeah, what, what, uh, what do you think? So next novel is going to be Grave Peril. Okay. So I've looked at the cover art. The cover art for the audiobook is different from the cover art from the, the, the novel. Oh, so you get two pieces of information. Two pieces, but they're both, they're both cemeteries. So graves. Okay. So something bad happens in a cemetery, as obviously with peril. Okay. Um, is it zombies? 
Okay. I mean, I'm think, trying to think of, okay, well, graves would either be vampires or zombies. Okay. Okay. What as a supernatural critter, critter. Somebody, something is coming back from the dead. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's perilous in the graveyard. Absolutely. Or, you know, a grave digger's digging, digging holes all over the place and, you know, just for shits and giggles and people are falling into them. <laughs> that's a little bit more. <laughs> Esoteric. That's a little bit more ridiculous. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, there's good stuff and I like those thoughts. There's some interesting stuff that we can chew into as we go through here. But very cool. What uh what what do you think? Listen, I mean, what give your overall thoughts on the novel? I know we we've talked a lot about it, but I guess parting thoughts then on the novel. Like Stormfront, there's parts I really liked. And there's parts that were just like ooh, ooh, uh. But you yikes, know that's the thing, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> the yikes! But but also just yeah, not yikes in the way that we yikes it because that's a verb now. I guess absolutely. Uh, we spoke about this before, where it's like I both novels have things I like and things I don't like. I don't like one better than the other. Where you know you've referenced several times that people think this is the worst of all the novels. I'm like, it's not that much worse than if if it is worse than Shortfront. It's not that it, much it's worse. It's definitely marginal for sure. Very much so at this point. So you know, five books down the line, I might feel differently. But at this point, they're pretty much they're they're pretty much even paced. I think what book seven is, and you might not like that one either. <laughs> yeah, no, they're definitely these are usually grouped together, and um, mm-hmm. what a lot of people do on their rereads is they'll just start at book three. Like a lot of people literally just, when they're going through it again, they'll just skip the first two. (laughs) Which I have discovered, I've never done that just because I'm kind of a completionist. Yeah. As a character flaw. (laughs) Um, I, uh, that's not true. But I will have that goal and I'll get to a certain point before I give up. Which is two (laughs) character flaws in one. (laughs) Um, either way, yeah. I always start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. I've been, t- I've been told, um, when you learn, I'm you begin with ABC, but it, it, oh, that's what I've heard. But I legitimately like going through mm-hmm. it. I, I I've read most of the short stories multiple times, not as many times. I am so glad we, I didn't try to like protect you from this and like start with the good stuff and like, just yeah. cause this is. Again, we've talked about all the problems, but I I legitimately like this. I don't want to say this story, but I like this book. I like this book. I do. And that is new and exciting for me. I like Murphy. It certainly is changing a lot of my thoughts I've had over the last number of novels. Just because, like I said, I didn't necessarily hate, I didn't, I did not at all hate her since then but i hated her at the end of this novel mm-hmm. and then i she kind of grew on me and i liked her again but when your starting point is hey yeah. you know your graph gets to a certain point if we just bump that graph up a couple notches you know i freaking love her come uh you know the modern books I, uh, so it's um it's interesting and that's well i'm really <laughs> intrigued to see how the rest of the read through goes because uh, I, I definitely didn't give her maximum credit for all this over the course of the last bunch. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that goes, if that makes sense. Here we go. <laughs> exactly. Should be very cool. Yeah, it is. 
pretty awesome. Beyond that, anything else you want to mention and add in here? Nah, that's really it. Okay. So next week we dig into Grave Peril. Um, our zombie or vampire or rogue grave digger <laughs> with a uh, mystical sadistic streak. Uh, whichever one it is should be exciting. But we're going to do chapters one through six, which is the uh, that whole first kind of arc. Basically, it's one big set piece. Um, chapters one through six should be fun. Yeah, you know, we just continue to grow the overall story. We meet some new characters and life is good. So I'm very excited to get you into that one. And any parting thoughts as we get out of here? Not ready for that next one. I'm ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Again, I have this uh, coach voice here, so I don't have any games next weekend. I got out of the games. I was supposed to coach next weekend. So uh, with the B team, so I may actually sound like a human being next week. We'll see. Could be interesting, but yeah, I'm just really excited as we go through here. Thank you guys so much for listening. I I love this tale, this saga certainly has issues, but we're really starting to cook as it goes. And uh, I'm just delighted to have Lissy here with me and you guys listening. And life is muy bueno. So I've been Josh. I'm Alyssa. Podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. Did you know that the, so you, sorry, you said uh, something about going to the mm-hmm. light or something. Somebody made me think of Carol Ann. She yeah. Got, oh God. Yeah. You know, she died before Poltergeist 3 was released. Yeah. She had some horrible disease. Oh, it's awful. The little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Carol Ann. Died recently. Yeah. But they're mm-hmm. here. Which is why when I had to get my confirmation, I refused to choose Anne as my confirmation name because I would be Alyssa Carol Ann Mosher. <laughs> the only reason why I didn't pick Anne. Well, and as a slight to Brenna. Well, no. Grandma Grandma Lois actually was like, well, why don't you pick Anne? And I said, I can't, Grandma. Because I'd be almost like, Anne Mosier. Yeah, I'm, I'm magical.